few years ago, I heard a quote from John Maxwell that stopped me in my tracks. He said this, One day, people will summarize your life in one sentence. So pick it now. One day, people will summarize your life in one sentence. So pick it now. So what would you pick? How should you live so that at the end of your life, when people pick their sentence, it's something that's meaningful, impactful, that you can legitimately leave this earth knowing that you, are, you have borne fruit in this life and you will be bearing fruit in eternal life. How can we know? How can we know that? How can we do that? That's what Jesus is concerned with in this passage. If you have your Bibles, open them up to John 15. It's page 901 in your pew Bible. We're going to be looking at John 15 on page 901. We're going to be looking at three different parts of this passage. First off, the vine. Secondly, the branches. And third, the gardener. Those are going to be our three main things that we're looking at. So look at, we're going to start with the vine. Look at verse 1. Right in the very beginning, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Have you ever noticed that it says true vine? Usually I think, okay, Jesus is the vine. Why the true vine? Because the true vine, if you look at the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, in Psalms, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Isaiah, there are all these places that talk about this imagery of the vine. And in each of those images, it's Israel. It's talking about Israel as God's vineyard that he's planted. He's brought out of Egypt and planted in order to be a blessing to the nations. But if you have read through these passages, you know that there's a tragic nature to each and every one of them. And I want to read this to you because the first time that I read it, it struck me. This is Isaiah 5, 1 through 4. It says, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. It's talking about God's vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones. He planted it with choice vines. And he built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that has not been done? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Each and every image of Israel in the Old Testament when it comes to vineyard is of rebellion, of the people of God saying, God, we don't want your ways. We want to go our own way. And so when we see Jesus here saying, I am the true vine, he's saying that life through which Israel was to be the life to the nations, that now flows through me. Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. I am the one to whom Israel pointed and I have come to fulfill. By my death and resurrection, I've come to bring newness of life. So that each and every one of you, this isn't just for the Jews, but this is for each and every one of you, you are offered new life in Christ by what he's done on the cross. 
You are offered something different than people who don't know Jesus. You are offered a more rich and full life. So the question then is, if Jesus is the vine, if he is the source of life, what are we supposed to do? How do we get that life? I want to throw up an image on the screen. Jesus goes on to say, I am the vine. And if you know anything about uh, vineyards, is anybody a viticulturist in here? No? Anybody a farmer? This is so sad. Both services, there's been no farmers. And that proves my point that we no longer live in an agricultural society. We don't understand agrarian images. It's, it's really challenging for us, too. And so I, I, I did a deep dive, not that deep of a dive, but I went into, okay, what, what, how are vineyards run? And how does it work? And so if you see this thing right here, you would think that that would be a post. But this thing right here, a big chunk, that is the vine. And Jesus is saying, that's what I am. I am the means through which the life goes up into the branches. And he says, that's what you are people of God. Anyone who connect, is connected to me, you are the branches. Look at verse 4. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So go on to the next slide. All right. Are you tracking? Jesus is the vine. He's that big thing through which all the life comes. And then we're the branches. We're, we're the little thing that has the leaves attached to it through which that life flows. So what is the point of the branches? To look really cool with its nice green leaves? What's the point? Why are we put here? Bear fruit. Yes, you can answer. It's okay. Um, yes, to bear fruit. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. He goes on in verse, says, verse eight and says this, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You're here to bear fruit. You are here to be the life through which the vine pours out the life of God into the world. So the question is how? What is the fruit that he wants from us? So I'm going to throw up a few things. And for those who want to go back and read through it, you can. Um, but I've picked out the four places because if you look at this passage, the first eight verses unpack the image. And then the rest of the chapter actually, um, the first eight, uh, first eight verses give you the image. The, the rest of the chapter unpacks the image and tells you what the fruits are. He says, obey my commandments as I have obeyed the Father's commandments. He says, as I have experienced joy, I want your joy, my joy to be in you. I want you to love one another. As I have loved you, I want you to love one another. And as I have borne witness to the world, I want you to bear witness to the power of the Spirit. Those are the four things. And every single time Jesus says, as I have done this, as I have obeyed, I want you to obey. As I have experienced joy, I want you to. Do you see that? It's, it's Jesus' life being poured out into the brain branches. Bearing fruit means Jesus doing the things that Jesus did. So at the end of your life, if somebody said your one sentence thing, they said they were like Jesus, would you be like, would that be good? I mean, that'd be pretty impressive. So then the question is how? And this is what Jesus is most focused on. This is the burning point that he's trying to get to here. How do we do it? Because being like Jesus ain't easy. 
And if you think it's easy, you've never tried. How? I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me. Abiding. Abiding is what he says. Now, this is utterly different than what the world would tell us. The way that we try to make a legacy for ourselves. Man-made religion would say this, you produce it. You make it. You do it. You work it. If you want a fruitful life, you earn it. In verse 4, Jesus says, abide in me. Abide in me. Let my life flow through you. If you want a fruitful life, abide in me. Now again, this is challenging because this word abide is not one of those normal things that you know, we use. If I said, hey, come over to my house on Friday, we're gonna abide together. You would think I was a weirdo and you wouldn't come. <laughs> so, so what does he mean when he says abide? And I spent probably about an hour of my sermon preparation time just looking at this word. And what it is, is as the branch draws life from the vine, what Jesus is saying is, I want you to draw life from me. I want you to remain in me. I want you to have continuous dependence upon me. I want you to go deeper still into me. I want you to have my life pulsating through your veins. I want you to stay connected to me. How? How do we bear fruit? By staying connected to Jesus. And it's a promise. He says, if you stay connected to me, if you remain in me, if you let my life flow through you, you will bear fruit. It's a promise. So for a fruitful life, connect to Christ. I'm going to say it again. For a fruitful life, connect to Christ. If you want people to speak a good word about you, if you stay connected to Christ, he will take care of the rest. But the challenge with abiding is those of us who are independent, who want to be strong, this is a hard teaching to swallow. It's for anybody, but especially for men in the room. I guarantee there's something in you that's pushing against this because you don't want to rely upon someone else. You don't want to get your strength from someone else. Why? Because it makes you feel weak. Doesn't it? It makes me feel weak. And what I want to tell you is this. If you want to be strong, if you really want to lead your family, if you really want to lay down your life for your kids, if you really want to be a leader at work, if you really want to be the kind of man or woman that stands up in the midst of the fight, that does not lose heart, you cannot do it on your own. Because you were made to draw strength from another. You were made to draw strength from God. That's why when Jesus said, I am the true vine, Implied in that statement is that there are false vines out there in the world. There are counterfeit vines. We may not even realize it, but if we are not abiding in Christ, we are abiding in something, aren't we? If Jesus' life isn't flowing through you, there is some life 
that's flowing through you, you will turn to something to find that temporary flow of life. An author that I read recently, he actually died of a rock climbing accident about a decade ago. He said this, if I'm not abiding in Jesus, then where is it that I abide? He said, I began to notice that when I was tired or anxious, there were certain sentences I would say in my head that led me to this familiar place. The journey to this place would often start with walking around feeling disturbed, feeling as if there was something deep inside that I needed to put into words but I couldn't quite capture. You know that feeling where you're restless, you're angry. He said, I felt this something as anxiety, loneliness, and a need to feel connected to someone. And if no connection came, I would start to say things like, life really stinks. Now, that's not what I say in my head. I wish it was that clean, but life really stinks. I usually am not like that when I'm having a bad day. But he says, life really stinks. Why is it always so hard? It's never going to change. And if nobody noticed that he was struggling or asked him, how are you doing? If he didn't get that connection, he said he would start to find these sentences shifting to a more cynical level or he would say, who cares? Life is a joke. And surprisingly, he says, by the time I was saying those last sentences, I was feeling better and the anxiety was beginning to decrease. He was beginning to check out. Life is a joke. My family's a joke. My work is a joke. And then he says, my comforter, my abiding place was cynicism and rebellion. And from this abiding place, I would feel free to use some soul cocaine, watching a violent video with maybe a little sexual titillation thrown in, having more alcohol with a meal than I might normally drink, things that would allow me to feel better for a little while. I had always thought of these things as just bad habits, but I began to say that they were much more. They were spiritual abiding places that were comforters and friends in a very spiritual way. He's uncomfortably real, isn't he? The reality is you were made to abide. And if you are not abiding in Christ, you are abiding in something or someone. And the hard thing is most of the time we are unaware. But you could ask somebody, Ask your wife. She knows what you're abiding in. Ask your husband. He knows. Ask your kids. They definitely know. We begin to spend more time on something that we shouldn't spend so much time on. We begin to watch some things we know we shouldn't watch. We begin to drink more than we know we should drink. We begin to spend more than we know we can really spend. We begin to work more than we know we should. We begin to expect more from our spouses than any one person can be expected of. You will abide in something. And Jesus this morning says, come abide in me. Come remain in me. Come draw your life from me. Come let my life pulse through your veins. If you want joy, come to me. Be connected to me. Be connected to a vine that will satisfy. If you want a fruitful life, begin to abide in Christ. Begin to connect to Christ. So it's so key that I want to give you a tool. On your way out at the baptismal font, and there will be two little pedestals on the way out. This is a tool in which you can this week, if you're feeling disconnected, if you have not been abiding in Christ, you can grab that on your way out. 
There's seven questions there. Now, I don't want, don't want you to do it all in one sitting because I know you probably wouldn't. I wouldn't if somebody gave it to me. So I want for you to just take a couple a day or one a day. Or you don't even have to do all seven just to pick a couple of them. The point is to connect with Jesus, to abide in him and let those questions lead to prayers. And they don't need to be pretty prayers. Jesus doesn't care. He just says, come, abide in me, connect to me. And I also want to encourage you, if you do that personally, I want to encourage you to bring that into your home. Whether it's with your family or whether it's with a couple of friends, I want you to begin to ask a couple of questions off that sheet. Because the reality is, parents, you, your job is to teach your kids how to abide, how to abide in Jesus. That's not my job. It's not anybody else's job. It's really scary. I'm about to have a child. And I know that I'm supposed to be the primary spiritual caretaker for my child. And a mentor of mine shared this little nugget of wisdom with with me a, a while ago. He has like five kids. And so he knows. And he said, hey, Dan, you know, the majority of the time, uh, we as parents think this. Our goal as parents is to teach our kids from going, going from being dependent on us to being independent, right? Parents in the room with your college students, you know, what, you know what we're talking about right now. And he said, actually, that is a lie. That's not true. Your goal as parents is to teach your kids to go from being dependent on you to being dependent on Jesus. And so invite them into that process. Invite them into that abiding process. It might be a little ugly at first, but I promise you the Holy Spirit will meet you there. And so this week, if you want a fruitful life, connect to Christ. And if you haven't been abiding, try it out. See what happens. Now, some of you have been abiding, and I want to give you one final word. I've given you the vine, which is Jesus, the branches, which is us. I want to talk about the gardener. In verse 1, it says this, I am the vine, Jesus says, and my father is the vine dresser. He's the gardener. And it goes on to say, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And this word prune means cut clean. It means that he comes and clears the unwanted shoots from living branches, that there's, in every branch of our lives, there's places that aren't really bearing fruit, that, are, that have become dead. And what it's saying is that God the Father comes along and trims those back and prunes them. And this procedure of being pruned by the Father is really painful. And some of you know that because you are in a season of pruning. You've been abiding in Christ maybe for six months, maybe for 60 years. But you know you are in this different season. Or maybe you've had these ways you've connected to Jesus, but they're not really working the same way anymore. Or maybe you were, um, had these rhythms in your life, and then you had kids, and all of a sudden your abiding just ended. And you feel the pruning hand of the Father. Or maybe you've been in a ministry and you feel like, you know what, I don't know if God's calling me here anymore. 
but I'm scared because I've, I've been doing it for a long time. Or maybe you're in a relationship, you and your spouse have had some good times, but now is not a good time. And you think, is it ever gonna get better again? And you can feel the pruning cuts of the father. And I wanna show you a picture. I actually went on to modernfarmers.com because I didn't know anything about pruning. Um, but I want to show you a picture of what a vineyard looks like in the wintertime. But what the farmer does is they come and they prune back all the leafy branches. And it's really sad. It's really sad to see that. But why? Why does the father prune? It says the father prunes so that we may bear more fruit. This winter, I had, uh, we have this plant that's on our porch, and I'm pretty bad at taking care of plants, and so it had frozen, it got left out in, in the freeze, and I hadn't watered it very much. That's not the way that God provides for us, by the way. He's a good gardener. But anyways, this plant was dead, or it was almost dead, um, and what, what I uh, did was, and it was, it was quite sad to do, because all of the leaves had had, had died on it, and I didn't know if it was dead, and so I cut, I cut it back, because I, I knew enough to know that I need to prune it, because it ain't working the way it is, and I cut it back, and it was the saddest little plant, and it was so sad to walk by it every day, because I didn't know if it was going to come back. I didn't know if it was going to spring back to life or not, and I want to show you two months ago, as the spring began to, 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 to come into full bloom, you see those little sprouts right there? Those started busting out. And so if you are in a season of pruning, if you've been abiding and holding on and staying connected to Jesus, but you're like, I haven't borne fruit, is this even worth it? Press on, because new life is on its way. And I want to show you, I took this picture yesterday. This is what it looks like now, as it's being brought into new life. People of God, one day, people will summarize your life in one sentence. Choose it now. And if you choose that you are going to abide in Jesus and you will let the Father prune you and trust his hand, you will bear much fruit. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for being the true source of our life and offering us connection to you. Lord, I pray for those here in this room that don't know you. But Lord, their interest is piqued. They would like to know what it could be like to be connected to you. Lord, I pray that you would pour your life into them. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling now to connect to you. Lord, I pray that they would take a step of faith this week and try to abide in you, to connect their life to you. And I pray your Holy Spirit would pour your life into them. Lord, and finally, I pray for those who are going through the painful pruning process. Lord, help them to hold on to you. Lord, be gentle. And Lord, help them to bear fruit in time. In Jesus' name, amen.